Hello, I'm Jeffrey Meshlove. Today I'd like to talk about the historical figure of Seneca the Younger, the Roman statesman, playwright, and philosopher, and how he came to become my inner healing advisor. It happened in the late 1980s, and the whole event was captured on video because at the time I was producing a series called Inner Work. And uh, in that uh, series, I interviewed hypnotherapist Dr. Martin Rossman from Mill Valley, California, and he actually put me into a hypnotic trance on tape and said, you are now about to get in touch with your inner healing advisor. It could be any figure whatsoever. It might be a chipmunk or a person. Let's see what comes. And as I'm in the trance state, I had this image of a man wearing what seemed like ancient garb, a toga of, of some sort. And I thought to myself, well, I really want to work on my speaking, my public speaking abilities. So let this be Demosthenes, the great Greek orator. And as the figure approached me, he said, I'm not Demosthenes. And I said, well, who are you? I'm Seneca. And I said, well, Seneca, you're here. You're my inner healing advisor. What would you like me to do? And he said, study my life. And then Martin Rossman brought me out of the trance. I had this silly grin on my face as if something quite remarkable had happened. And I began studying the life of Seneca and discovered he's one of the most fascinating people in all of human history. He wrote tragedies, and his tragedies were largely responsible for influencing the great Elizabethan playwrights who took tragedy to an even higher art form. He actually ran the Roman Empire for five years. It's considered the Silver Age of Rome. He was the tutor to the Emperor Nero when Nero was still a young teenager, and so Seneca had administrative responsibilities for running the empire. And he was considered one of the great Stoic philosophers of the Roman era. He's noted for many um, what we would call pithy sayings. For example, the saying, live each day as if it were your last, can be attributed to Seneca. He wrote what were called consolations to help people through difficult times in their lives, and that's part of the Stoic philosophy. He was also probably the wealthiest man in the empire at one time, being the tutor to the emperor. He accumulated a, a vast fortune, but being a Stoic philosopher, he lived simply, he ate fresh fruits and vegetables, he slept on a hard bed, he took cold baths. So he, he lived almost an ascetic life, and he died in 69 A.D., when um, he was accused of conspiring against the Emperor Nero, there was a conspiracy known as the Piso Conspiracy. I mean, Nero turned out to be quite a tyrant at the end of the day. And Seneca, uh, well, Nero thought that Seneca, the, the conspirators wanted to install Seneca as emperor, which would have been a logical choice since he had experience and 
in governing. So Nero sent his centurions to Seneca's house where there was a dinner party going on and ordered Seneca right then and there to take his own life. And um, the historians who recount the incident say nobody in human history was more prepared to take their own life except perhaps Socrates. And Seneca turned to the centurion. He said, well, can I write my, out my will, my last will and testament? The centurion said, no, you have to do this immediately. So Seneca turned to his dinner guests and he said to them, I bequeath to you my life, study my life. Those were his last words, according to the historians. I found that very striking, and there were a whole series of synchronicities that then seemed to occur uh, for me, or coincidences, uh, concerning the life of Seneca. I had a trans medium once, a good friend of mine, Kevin Ryerson, claimed that I was Seneca in a past life. Well, I've never had any memories of that, although, to be honest, there were one or two brief moments when I felt that I actually had, for an instant, the experience of being in the court of Nero and being the most highly honored person in the presence of the emperor. I don't know what to make of it. It was so brief. But in any case, I don't uh, have any reason other than these tiniest of experiences to think that I was such a person in a past lifetime. However, one day, while I was uh, en route to the city of Cordoba in Spain, which is the city where Seneca was born, I received an email from a, uh, an American psychologist named Brendan Engen. And Brendan wrote to me and he, he said, uh, I've heard that you were the incarnation of Seneca, and I've been told that I was the incarnation of one of Seneca's close associates, and I'd like to talk to you about that. And I wrote him back and said, no, I'm not Seneca, but what a, what a coincidence that you should be writing to me as I'm heading to the city where Seneca was born. And um, I said, what I think is going on is sort of a Jungian synchronistic resonance. And Brendan suggested that, gee, this could be an important idea. You should write it up. And I suggested to him, let's write it up together. And we did. We wrote a journal article on archetypal synchronistic resonance based on these experiences and many other synchronicities that passed between us at the time. And uh, I've even conducted three New Thinking Aloud interviews with Brendan, and we go into details about that series. And uh, you'll see a link in the upper right-hand corner to the first of those videos. There's another little part of the coincidence, though, that I don't think I've ever described before. And, and that is during the um, 19... 80s and uh, 90s, I was um, the president of a nonprofit organization called the Intuition Network, and we were funded by a most remarkable gentleman named Buck Charlson, who was the inventor of the hydraulic motor and power steering. And uh, 
He had a deep interest in intuition. He felt that his inventions came to him through intuition, and he wanted to contribute back to the field. And now, Buck Charlson had a very deep interest in reincarnation, and at one point, he confided to me that he believed himself to have been the Emperor Claudius in a past lifetime. Well, the Emperor Claudius is the one who preceded Nero, and Seneca had quite a relationship with Claudius because uh, what happened was that Claudius exiled Seneca. There was some sort of a scandal. I don't know what to make of it. Seneca was accused of having an affair with a member of the royal family. and So he was exiled to a lonely island, and it was a miserable time for him. And uh, he begged to come, be allowed to return to Rome. But it wasn't until Claudius uh, died, I think he was murdered by his wife at the time, Agrippina, who was Nero's mother. And um, after the death of Claudius, Seneca was brought back to Rome to become Nero's tutor. And Seneca actually wrote the eulogy that Nero gave uh, upon Claudius's death. And after that, <laughs> Seneca later on wrote a play called the Apoloxentosis of Claudius, in which it describes uh, how Claudius is elevated to the status of a god where he uh, goes to heaven, but there he has to confront the other Roman emperors like Augustus, who um, he had many conflicts with, and, and it's a highly satirical work. So. It was ironic that I had this close relationship with a man who also believed uh, himself to have been in historical times in a deeply intertwined connection with Seneca. Now, what is the lesson here for you? I can say this about Seneca. When I first encountered uh, this experience. I knew nothing about him, but when I read through the roots of consciousness, I saw there was a brief mention of Seneca there. And and what I had written about Seneca, what was known about him, is that he, he wrote books on science, amongst other things, but he believed that it's important to draw moral lessons from scientific facts. And every time we look out at the world of, of science, it's not just telling us as modern Western scientists try to be value-free, don't ha draw any morals from it, but Seneca had the opposite point of view. So I think the lesson here for those of you who are viewing this little monologue is that you also have access to vast resources within yourself things that you might not ever dream of. I think of myself as having been very privileged to have had this connection, and I'm grateful to the hypnotherapist Marty Rossman for facilitating it. But this is actually uh, what could be a, quite a common experience for most people if you open yourself up to it. I know my friend Gene Houston, about whom I have spoken in a past monologue, had a similar experience with the ancient Greek philosopher Proclus, who was one of the last of the Neoplatonic philosophers. As a teenager, she'd hear this little voice going, hocus pocus, where is Proclus? 
and as, as such, she developed this intimate connection. It's as if great historical figures from the past still exist, you could say, in hyperspace and are there if we open ourselves up to reach out and offer us their guidance and their wisdom. And I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you for being with me.